Welcome back to the Bullish Baseball Podcast, where we have the greatest interviews. For today, we've got an excellent guest for you today. We have Steve Balance from Dig In Baseball. Top tier analysis. The Orioles right now, they're still in the rebuilding process. And the best coaching advice. They know when they play one of my teams is it's going to be a battle. And it's all coming your way right after the beat drop. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Bullish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Feldman, alongside Coach Duffy. We have an absolutely amazing episode planned for you guys today. It was a very eventful day for Bullish Baseball. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, Jack. You can always, always do very well after a win. Yes, and just especially the way Bullish won it. You know, they were down eight to two heading into the bottom of the seventh inning. Yep. I think I think they got a double and maybe a sack bunt, but they didn't get much going. They were quickly two outs on them, and then they rattled off seven straight runs. Can you just walk me through your mindset just throughout that entire game? You know, we played them close the whole game. You know, as you mentioned, we were down eight to two going in, into that last inning, but it was really the top of the seventh where Albans broke the thing open. Because before that, you know, we're, we're talking about we were down – Two nothing, then two one, then it was four to one, then it was four to two, and you're just you're waiting for that big inning to happen. You, you know, you can feel it, yet you're getting closer, especially the way we hit the ball today. We hit the ball today far better than we had in the previous three games. So you're this close, you're, you're waiting for the guys to just sort of kick the door open, and then you know Albans goes and they score four in the top of the seventh, and and you're thinking, okay, it's there's a lot of similarities to Thursday's game with them where we played them really close, but then they had the one inning where they just sort of broke it open. But you could tell that this was a different vibe. Uh, you know, our guys were, the energy level was higher. The confidence was there. So going into that bottom of the seventh, I just gave them a challenge. Like, you know, are we going to go home with our tails between our legs or are we going to go out with a bang? Are we going to, are we going to challenge them? Are we going to, do everything we can to put pressure on them and not just give them the victory. And you could see it in the intensity. You could see it in their at-bats. You know, those guys fought. They were fighting for ABs all day. But uh, that seventh inning, you could just see there was a, a little bit more hunger. Yeah, for sure. And I was broadcasting the game. I was doing my best to remain as neutral and unbiased as possible. It got a little tough in the seventh inning, but... If you guys did not watch the game, we'll just walk you through it real quick. So St. Albans jumped out to an early lead. And that was kind of that was kind of the story of the game. They were always just a little step ahead throughout the game. Bullis right. got a couple runs across. Corey Levin pitched really solid for them. Sam Mosman came in in relief. And we head to the top of the seventh inning. And the floodgates kind of open for St. Albans. You know, they score a bunch of runs, make it an 8-2 ball game. And, you know, I'm saying on the broadcast that Bullis, the bats have woken up today. Even though they've only scored two runs, they've had a lot of opportunities, a lot of runners in scoring right. position. Max Ferguson played absolutely out of his mind. And I was kind of – He had three doubles today? Yeah, he yeah. had three doubles. One of them hit the fence on like a short one hop. It was, mm-hmm. it was fantastic, but – I was kind of mentally preparing myself in the audience for, you know, we didn't didn't get the win today, but the bats woke up and really looking forward to St. Stephen, St. Agnes next week. 
but a couple of guys get on and well, it didn't, it wasn't just immediately the bats start going in the bottom of the seventh. You know, I think there were, like right. I said earlier, two quick outs looked like Bullis was going to roll over and die and they didn't. And they kept working yeah. counts. They got walks and they just kept getting those infield singles, those line drives. And it was, it was the best baseball game I've ever been a part of. Well, the ball finally started bouncing our way. It hadn't really been bouncing our way the, the first previous games. And, you, you know, Albans had a big double in the ball game too, where it was a ball hit down the left field line and you're just, you're watching it and you're like, well, that's going to go foul. That's going to go foul. And, and it hits the chalk. It hits the chalk ends up being a big hit for them. And, you know, we, we've had the bounces going against us quite a bit, but for that final inning, for that bottom of the seventh, you could see the ball bouncing a little bit better for us. You know, they, they're a very good team. They're a good defensive team too. And they had a couple of miscues in there also. And, you know, you could say there was a bad hop or two in there for sure. Absolutely. But it was one of those things where the ball was bouncing our way for sure. Yeah. And you said that the ball wasn't bouncing our way for the majority of the game. And that was the case. I think Mick Dwyer hit a fly ball to left that was very close to getting the left over the left fielder's head. And there were a couple of runners in scoring position on that at bat. But just walk me through that bottom of the seventh inning, what was the vibe in the dugout? What were the guys feeling? There was a lot of energy. Uh, Honestly, somebody made the comment in practice, like, man, you know, we we seem to have more energy the last half of the game. I think that's the truth. And they brought that for that seventh inning. The guys were up on top of the fence. Nobody was sitting down in the dugout. Everybody was locked in. Everybody was focused and young squad, you know, you can't ask for more than that. Absolutely. And a couple of key moments throughout the game, obviously Luke's big at bat to walk it off. We'll get to that a little bit later, but that, that Jonathan at bat, I thought that was a really crucial at bat in the game because Jonathan is a guy who hasn't gotten much playing time. He just got back with the team and, you know, he stepped up big in that at bat. He battled and he drew the big walk. Right. And we had pinched hit for him earlier in the ballgame too. re-entered him. And then he got that big opportunity in the last inning. He's a senior. You, you need those guys to show some leadership. I think John has definitely shown that leadership. It's too bad we had to be without him for the last couple of weeks, but so happy to have him back. I think with him at first base, it also makes our defense a lot better. Not to take anything away from Cooper Charcats. I thought he did a fantastic job at first base, but being able to move Cooper into the outfield, I think makes us a much stronger team. And Cooper had another great defensive play in left field today also. But yeah, John's at bat was huge. It was clutch. And the at bat he had before that also, you know, borderline call for, for strike three, he didn't agree with, but he, he put that aside and, you know, he was able to lock in on that at bat and come up with a big walk for us. Having Jonathan back gives you a lot of flexibility in the outfield because now you can move Cooper on the infield. You can play him at first. You can play him at second. You can play him in the corner outfield spots. So it definitely gives you a lot of flexibility. And coach, I almost had a heart attack in the booth when this happened, when Cooper almost went home on that pass ball, decided to go back to third, which was the right decision. And it looks like Jonathan just went a little bit too far towards third, starts heading back to second. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that was wild. Well, 
John actually got all the way two third. He, he yes. just wasn't looking at what was going on in, in front of him. The conversation I had with Cooper before was we were going to be aggressive on something that got by the catcher and it did, but it hit that pole. And, you know, personally I panicked. I told him to stop and, and he did stop and he, he did what he was asked to do. I, I just, I had shades of a ball game I was involved in years ago against Gilman back when I was at Avalon where kind of the same situation. It's a one run ball game and ball got by the catcher. We sent the kid, it hit the brick at Gilman and bounced perfectly back to the catcher. And my guy was done at home plate. And next guy ended up with a base hit that could have tied the game anyways, but we ended up losing that game by a run. So I, I had this, this quick flashback to that. And so I had Cooper stop in his tracks, but then John's way down the line. Like I said, he got all the way to third base. And at that point, you know, it, you're kind of like, getting a rundown. Let's see if we can sneak this run in. They end up putting the ball in the dirt. Cooper's able to score to tie the ball game. And that is just such a heads up play by Cooper. Cause just from experience being in that situation, you know, if your coach tells <laughs> you beforehand to be aggressive on right. a pass ball, and then you see a pass ball, you know, you're thinking you're going all the way and to actually get the right. wheels in motion to be running full speed at home and then make the decision to head back to third because he probably would have been thrown out there at the plate if he went home all the way. But to make that decision, that's just such heads-up baseball by him. And just a couple of guys that have really stood out to me early in the season, obviously Max Ferguson, huge part of his team, huge leader. Sure. He's been tearing the cover off of the ball. But Cooper Charkat yeah. offensively has have had some big hits. Lance Hirsch is another guy who's had some monster hits going the other way, and he definitely had a big – big game today Lance I'm I'm so happy for him he was battling he was battling a back injury early in the week it kind of lingered he tried to gut it out on Thursday you could tell he just wasn't the same guy and he yeah he had a couple of big hits for us today he had some big at-bats for us today but him coming in in the top of the seventh in relief was huge for us he got ground ball after ground ball after ground ball now unfortunately those ground balls were dying in the grass and there were some bad hops in there, but he, he, he kept his head on straight, which as a freshman, you don't see that a lot. I think a lot of guys in that situation, they would have folded. They would have, they would have turned it in. Like, you know, everything's going against me right now. I mean, what's the point, but not, not Lance, Lance, Lance battles, Lance is a competitor. You know, he's got that football mentality and he just kept dealing and he got another ground ball and he got us out of the inning. He did, and I just think it's such a good thing. Even if Bullis ended up losing this game, they got the offense going. Right. And two guys who have not been hitting so far to start the season who had some big hits today and I think are going to continue to rake in the next couple games are Mick Dwyer and Corey Levin. Mick had the single going the other way. Corey had two hits. He had that right. clutch hit with two outs in the bottom of the seventh mm -hmm. score run. So I think those are guys that their swings have been looking much better as of late. They're starting to go the other way and they're going to really get it going. Yeah. I was joking with Mick during batting practice today because he had one round where everything was just solid to the opposite field. And I think it was the first week of practice. He told me, I don't, I don't really go oppo. I'm not very good at it, but he's worked, he's worked real hard on it and it's starting to bring his game, you know, all the way. And 
yeah, hit the ball hard today. We need him to hit the ball hard today. He, he's a junior. He's got some experience. So we need him in the lineup to be able to do some things. So it was great to see him hit the ball well today. And as far as Corey goes, you know, we moved Corey into the lead all spot today. That had been struggling, but I've, I've been waiting for some sort of a spark in him. And I saw that at Friday's practice. I saw the adjustments. I saw him starting to hit the ball well. With his athleticism and his ability to hit, being able to put him in the leadoff spot, I think can really help get our offense going. And I think you saw that today too. Absolutely. And now let's head on, head on to what everybody wants to hear about that big final at bat for the walk-off, just my mindset throughout the at bat. I said it on the broadcast, you know, Luke Bookoff is a guy, he's a freshman. This right. is the biggest at bat of his high school career so far, but it's sort of a win-win situation for him or a win and a less win situation because he either wins the game or heads into extras. He can't lose the game. Right. And I think he did a good job. You saw him on that first cut. He took a huge hack at it. And after that, you know, he kind of stayed within himself and drew the big walk. It's funny, you know, he swung through that first pitch, but the hack was so aggressive. It gave me confidence in what he could do at the plate. Again, it's a freshman. You know, he, you know, you're, you kind of expect those kind of guys to get, you know, deer in the headlights type thing, but, but he didn't. I mean, he, he put a really good swing on a ball on the very first pitch of the at bat. So that, that gave me a lot of confidence. He's, he's a good kid. He's, going to be pretty talented but again it's it's a big moment and he was able to work the count you know that uh, ball three from where I was standing in the third base coach's box I thought we got away with one I know the Albans coaches were up in arms they thought it was was strike three watching the video after the game you you see that ball is clearly well off the plate so that's a great take by Luke and, and clearly a ball to set up the the next pitch, which was ball four to win the game. And, and that, you know, ball four wasn't even close. No, ball four wasn't really close, close. And that was a tough spot for Owen Basso, who came in for that one batter. You know, it's your first batter. To be put in that situation is is really tough. So I think, you know, that's a tough spot for him. But just being around the Bullis baseball team for a couple of years now, you know, I've been at Bullis since fourth grade, played middle school baseball, second year with the high school team, it's never, to me at least, it's never felt, you know, like that close-knit group of guys. We've had leaders on the team. Zach Senders is a guy graduated. Right. He was really big for me. I know he was really big for McDwyer, and Good. he was a really, really big leader. We really miss him this year. But this is the first time that, you know, I just feel like it's a family. And this Good. was the proudest I've ever been to be a part of the Bullets baseball team. That's great. That's the only way I want it. That's been nearly every single team I've ever coached. That's exactly what I want. You know, I want the guys to cheer for each other. I want them to feel like the other guys got their back. It's the only way to have a team. I mean, if you can't have that, then it's not much of a team. Even coaching in the college league for digging baseball, where you're only getting guys for a couple of months, you know, we've still been able to create that. So, I'm, I'm glad we're doing it here at Bullis. Again, it's the only way I would want things. And, you know, lots of credit to the guys. They've, they've bought into everything we're trying to do. Absolutely. I think we've seen it. Just the improvements that we've made in practice from the first practice to now have been tremendous. And every single guy 
from all facets of the game. And if you take a look at Bullish's schedule, so we started off two games against Prep. You know, those are tough. Right. Prep is the number Very one, tough. number one ranked private school in Maryland. Right. And we play St. Albans, who is is known as the second best team in the league. So very tough schedule to start the season to be able to take a win from Albans. And now it's downhill from here. You know that you've already played the two best teams in the league. So I think it gives the guys a lot of confidence moving forward. Yeah, that's good. But at the same time, you can't take anything for granted. Those are other quality programs out there that we got to face down the road. Yeah. Preps got, you know, D1 commit after D1 commit and Albans is top to bottom, such a sound program, but I expect the same from St. Stephen, St. Agnes this week. I'm going to expect the same from Landon and Episcopal. You know, it's, it's a tough league. It, it is. It, it truly is one of the better leagues in this area. So we can't just sit here and say, oh, well, it's down. You know, it's not really downhill when you think about it because you're facing other quality programs too. So we just got to stay the course right now. We got to continue working hard in practice you know, Friday, we had a great practice, you know, leading into Saturday. And that's, you know, we need more of that stuff. You know, we'll get back to work on Monday. You know, we'll, we'll do some maintenance stuff. We'll, we'll clean up some, uh, some mechanics that, you know, maybe, you know, didn't really look polished, you know, these last couple of games, you know, we'll get competitive on Tuesday and then on Wednesday, we'll get into our game prep. Absolutely. And by downhill, I don't necessarily mean downhill physically because every team in the IEC is really tough. I just mean, you know, Bullis, we're a team that has a lot of freshmen. And I sure. think mentally being able to play Georgetown prep and see that mid to high 80s fastball first, you get that out of the way. I think hitting wise, it's going to give especially the freshmen a lot of confidence, but really everybody because even Mick, you know, Mick played one full season on varsity and then like two games last season, you know, right. none of the sophomore have really had a true varsity season. True. The seniors are really the only ones that have played a legit varsity season. Cause even Nick, when Nick was a freshman, you know, didn't get many at bats his freshman year, mm-hmm. but I'm just bullish baseball. The future of bullish baseball is looking bright. So let's move on now to coach Duffy's coach's corner, where we're going to be discussing one aspect of baseball and coach Duffy is going to walk us through it. So what do we have on tap for today, Coach? Today, I want to talk about the fake bunt slash play. It's a play we ran today against against St. Albans with Cooper Charcats, and he got a base hit out of it. It was, it was a big hit for us in the ball game, and it's a play that I love to run because I like to do a lot of different things, not just steal bags, not just bunt guys over, but you know, I want to keep the pressure on the defense, and I think the fake bunt slash play is a way to do it. Because let's face it, certain spots in the batting order, teams are expecting a bunt. And, you know, they cheat that guy at third base. They, you know, they, they bring him not just on the grass, but several feet inside the grass. So we want to try to take that away from some teams. So what we like to do is we like to show bunt early. And you're going to show bunt early on a sack bunt anyway. So show bunt early on this one. So you get out there, you show your bunt. And then once the pitcher starts to come to the plate, you pull back. You pull back and you swing away. And with the third baseman charging, you usually get other guys in the infield moving around too. So there should be some holes on the diamond. And with today's, you know, they had, you know, they had a guy charging, their shortstop was going to cover second base and Cooper, he, 
he pulls back, he pulls the ball, and it's wide open on the left side of the diamond for a nice base hit for him today. I remember when when we got our signs emailed to us by you. I was going over them with Mick, and I'm looking at the signs, and I see fake bunch slash it. And I turn to Mick, and I say, you know, what are we going to do this? Like once this year, you know, <laughs> ever once in my high school career. Right. And we pulled it out early, and it yeah. works. And I think having plays like that in the repertoire are so valuable for high school coaches, but also coaches – maybe at the youth level, if you're a youth coach listening to this, maybe a travel ball coach, this, where the skill gap is not always insurmountable. It's sort of any given team can win on any given day. And stuff yeah. like this, a fake bunt slash hit, you know, delayed steals, being aggressive on the base pass, that is stuff that can win you ball games. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're, you're the bullish Bulldogs facing the New York Yankees, you know? It's sort of like, Every team has the opportunity to go out there and win a baseball game by doing the little things right. And stuff like this can do tremendous strides to winning a game. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be run at any level. I've done it with nine U players and they, you know, they love it. And it's not something that you can really just break out a couple times a year. I used to coach a little football, middle school level football. So you got to, you know, you got to run a reverse every now and then, you, you know, you've got to run a little counter tray, which is a little bit more of an older term from a, from the eighties and nineties, but you, you got to do something that's, you, you know, the reverse of what your base plays are to keep the defense on their toes. And that's kind of what I see with the fake bunt slash. Some people have accused me of being a small ball coach. You know, that that's fine. You know, I, I do like to bond. I do like to get guys over, but I also like to have a lot of fun. You know, we want to swipe bags. And if you want to come down the line and try to take a bunt away from us, that's fine. We'll just swing it away. You're going to give us some holes in the infield. We're going to take advantage of that. Um, you know, and, and hopefully the third baseman thinks to himself, I should probably stay back a little bit. I don't want to get my teeth knocked out here if he pulls one. So it's, it's something to definitely keep guys on their toes. It's, it's great, you know, for our arsenal and, yeah, I'll, I'll run that several times a game if I have to. If I get, if, if that's what we have to do to get guys to back up so that we can get a decent bunt down, I'm going to do it. And that's what's so great about this podcast. If you're a coach at any level listening to this, you just gain more information. You know, you just gave your team a better chance to win by listening to this podcast. And this podcast is going to be so versatile. You can be a coach. You can be a parent. You can be a player. You can just be a fan of baseball because we are going to get into baseball at the professional level in some episodes. And I just think this podcast is going to be so versatile and it's going to help so many different people. And that's why I'm so excited for it. Great. Yeah. And, you know, just talking about doing it at different levels. I remember watching the Atlanta Braves run that in a playoff game. It, you know, it was probably 18 years ago or so, but it's not just something that you do at the youth level in high school you know, I've seen it done in college. I've run it on my college summer team and I've seen it in major league baseball too. So if you can get your guys to do this, it, it, it opens up everything for you. I mean, you can even start getting runners in motion when you run this play also. But again, you know, a lot of times bunting is predictable. There are certain guys in the lineup that the other team will know you need to get a bunt down here. And you as a coach know, you have to get a bunt down because you've got to get a guy over. But if you can show the fake bunt slash, if you can get those guys to keep their men back a little bit, it's great. 
But the other thing also is, and one thing I've noticed is when you call fake bunt slash, that back of the order type player, it actually helps them. It helps them track the ball better. I think it gives them a little bit more of an opportunity to get a base hit. So it just works on so many levels. Absolutely. And this Bullis team is so perfect for what you're trying to do with the Bullis baseball program because they do have guys that can get the bunch down. Cooper Charcats, Lance Hirsch, these are all guys that can get the bunch down. They can be aggressive on the base paths. Obviously, Max Ferguson has elite speed. Lance Hirsch is another guy who's super fast, super athletic. And what really stood out for me is I think it was the top of the fourth inning or bottom of the fourth inning. And he was on first base and it was an obvious stolen base situation, right? I was telling the broadcast, you know, coach Duffy is going to send Lance Hirsch here. They need to get a runner in scoring position. And everybody in the entire stadium knew Lance was stealing. I think the pitcher threw over like three times and Lance still got in there pretty safe, pretty safely with the stolen base. And that's just, that's the signs of elite speed. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to guess what the pitch is going to throw in these certain counts to, to give us an advantage to steal. Obviously you want to try to get him on a breaking ball type pitch. And that was actually a situation where we didn't get the breaking ball. We guessed breaking ball, but we didn't get the breaking ball, but Lance's athleticism, he got a great jump and you're right. He is such a fast runner. He was able to get to the base anyways. What's up guys. It's Jack from the future. Just to tell you that coach Duffy did an interview with Steve balance of digging baseball. So we're going to head on to that interview now. And then after we're going to continue with the podcast. So hope you guys enjoy the interview. Here is Steve balance of digging baseball. All right. Welcome. This is a great part of our podcast where I get to do interviews with local coaches, guys who I have a lot of respect for. And today we've got an excellent guest for you today. We have Steve balance from digging baseball. Steve is the co-founder, and he's also one of the owners of Diggin Baseball. He was a Maryland JUCO Coach of the Year. He was also one of the youngest high school coaches to win a state championship in the state of Maryland. And Steve's teams have been uber successful, if you will. And he's got a he had a 17U where majority of those guys have already made college commitments, um, several to Division One schools also. And he's got a 10U team that tore it up this past weekend at a tournament. How are you doing today, Steve? Good, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, at introduction, I need to bring you more often. That was a, that was a nice <laughs> introduction. I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. So what what went all went on this weekend? Was, was this a Sports at the Beach tournament? Yeah, this last weekend was the Sports at the Beach with the 10U guys. Um, it's been really fun working with them. It's a great group of, of players and and families and young men and and uh, myself and my assistant coach Rose, uh, Jeff Rose, who a lot of people in the community know, we uh, really work hard with these guys, building them through. We've been with them for a little bit now and we're seeing big time growth and you're continuing to see it now in the in the wins loss record based on how everything's going. But it was an awesome, awesome weekend. Long weekend, probably the most games these guys played in a short period of time, which is tough. Right. But really proud of what they did. But yeah, sports at the beach. Uh, which is a really good weekend of baseball. That's great. And you guys took second place on that Sunday, correct? Correct. We took second place. Uh, we Unfortunately, it's baseball. We blew a lead in the middle of the game in the finals against a team that probably was a little bit better than us, a little bit more physical, a little better. 
and uh, we just um, the proverbial ran out of gas uh, in the fourth or yeah. fifth inning of a youth game uh, coming off of a, a trip what ended up being a triple header. Gotcha. That's great. Now, Saturday, the fireworks came out, didn't they? You guys broke some sort of record on Saturday, correct? Yes, yeah, Saturday, um, the, this 10U team broke the dig-in youth record for most runs scored in a day. So in the pool play on Saturday in the two games, they scored 41, uh, breaking the record uh, previously held by uh, my good friend and co-founder and co-owner, Roel Frazier's team at the 11U level back in 2014 when they scored 37 runs mm. in a two-year, in a two-game period. So I had to go back to the archives and look because I thought 41 <laughs> seemed a little high and found out that it broke the record. So that was just a cool accomplishment for everybody involved. Absolutely. And and I know this group of guys that you're working with too, because I got to work with them two falls ago. And they're just 100%. they're just sponges. They want to learn so much about the game. And those guys work so hard at, at such a young age that are already taking this game on a serious level. So who starred this weekend? Who were some of the big players for you guys? Definitely the big star would have been uh, Colin Jacqueline. Uh, just part of the Jackaloni pedigree that we've had of guys that have come through with that last name. Uh, he's one of our team captains, one of our leaders. And this weekend, he would have been the MVP of the tournament had we won the tournament, but we came up short. Um, this team continues to come along offensively. We had never hit a home run over the fence until this weekend, and he hit three. Wow. So he now leads the team with three, hit them all this weekend, and they were all, you know, just shots and he, I think, had um, I think he had 11 RBIs, 14 runs scored. I think um, Pitt got the win in the semifinal game pitching, played a lot of good defensive positions, and then um, uh, I heard I haven't seen it yet. I heard on Game Changer on all the way the Game Changer does stats now across the state. He's like top five or something. I heard in seven categories. I haven't wow. seen it yet myself, but he definitely starred this particular weekend. And every weekend it's a little bit different. Um, but he's very consistent uh, week in, week out. Braxton Rose, very consistent week in, week out. Zach Westbrook's very consistent week in, week out. Does a lot of little things. Um, and somebody like Penn Phillips, a real quiet guy. You might remember Penn. Oh, yeah. Doesn't really oh, say yeah. many words, really quiet. Mm -hmm. Always an unsung hero type. And uh, those guys are kind of guys that kind of, in my mind, kind of stuck out this weekend. That's great. Yeah, Penn, he does it for you on the mound and at the plate. He's just got that – He's just got that swing. I mean, just when he would make contact, I would just say he'd wallop the ball. That's the yeah, best description I can better. say. Yeah, Penn continues to get better, make adjustments. He actually works with me individually on hitting now. And in the last seven months, I think it is, he's now had a, a desire to switch hit. So now he's actually a true switch hitter in the game. He's one of two guys on our team that if that guy's throwing lefty, he's batting righty. And if that guy's yeah. batting righty, then he's batting his natural left-handed side. But um, – just to, like you said earlier about the team, you're exactly right. Real sponges. And we do a lot of, you know me, we do a lot of technical nuanced things that uh -huh. I know nobody else's age does, mm -hmm. but that's kind of part of it. And these guys, they love it. And uh, credit to their families for, you know, buying in, as Coach Rhodes would say, trusting the process. And it's just been great to, to be with them for, I think it's been two and a half seasons now or, or something like that, you know, that I've been with them. And it's just been great. That's awesome. So your practices leading up to the tournament this past weekend, how were those going? What were the things you were stressing the most in those practices that you think really showed when you went out and you scored all those runs on Saturday? You know, a lot of it would be, if I remember correctly, last week it was on Thursday where we did some hitting. So it's basically like some live hitting. 
with some situational BP. And one thing that we've introduced and we really hit it hard yesterday's practice is the strike zone awareness. Right. So to, to talk about practice on Thursday, last Thursday, we have to go back to the winter a little bit. A big point of emphasis in the winter in our winter training for eight weeks was identifying the baseball. How quickly can you identify it? Chances are most of the time it's going to be a fastball and just really understanding that there is a difference between the ball down the middle and then middle away or middle in versus your right or your left and really trying to keep it simple but identifying it there. Where we've taken that to the next level recently is now really understanding the nine squares in the strike zone. You know, we give them numbers, knowing where you're hot and where you're cold, red versus blue, looking at it from a video game approach for them, something that they can relate to. Sure. And then having them identify that and knowing what zone you're looking for and your spot in one count. So for guys like me and you at the next level of baseball, when you're high school, college and professional, you're, they might call that zone hitting. But mm -hmm. for us, it's a little bit different. It's just identifying, learning the, 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 where the zones are, but knowing where your strengths and weaknesses are. If you get your strength early in the count, you want to jump on it. If you get your weakness early in the count, you tip your hat to the pitching. You know, there's not a my I might have some about advanced scouting, but a lot of these teams don't have advanced scouting when they right. play us. Uh -huh. So we kind of use that to our advantage and then understand what you're looking for. Because I'll be honest with you, Patrick, early in the season, we were a little undisciplined this year. We chased mm. a little bit of pitches out of the strike zone. Guys tend to like it a little bit higher and things like that. They were coming from a good place, but it was costing them at bats and things like that. The team, it'll take care of itself, but individually it was costing them some at bats. So myself and Coach Rose have really tried to figure out a way to do that. We've come up with this, and I think some of that plays into the weekend. Now, our opponents are very different to be, you know, our first opponent was a little bit on the weaker side. Mm -hmm. Our second opponent was very strong, and we were just able to jump on them early. But I would attribute that runs from the offensive perspective. And lastly, we were able to lead this weekend, and we practiced leading and whatnot. This was a leading weekend where normally okay. we have to stay on the base. Right. And our base running, I would say, is probably second to none in our, our approaches, how we lead, take runner, take bases, and all that. So all that rolled into rolled into a gigantic baseball was uh, the reason why we were able to score that many runs on Saturday. That's great. That's awesome. Now with the base running, you know, at Bolus, we're tr definitely trying to incorporate that in our practices and such. And it's just something that people don't do with their practices. They don't include the base running into it, or it's just sort of a afterthought. It's during batting practice, they'll have some guys do some read and react stuff, but there's no real emphasis on it. What are you doing in your practices to really emphasize base running? Well, I'll, I'll say it that uh, will equate to what you're talking about with bullets at the high school level is uh, when we're leading and we're taking our leads, a big emphasis is uh, about what we're looking for from the right-handed pitcher. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, if it's a right-handed pitcher, we're, we're keeping it as, as, as simple as possible, but also we're trying to, to narrow the part of the body that we want. So we constantly have the guys' um, team philosophy locked into the feet, nothing else. Mm -hmm. uh, anytime we see anything from the right side on a right-hander move, we're coming back hard, like not playing around. And what we're looking for is the heel. When we see the heel flinch, that has to go up, right? Some guys are taught to look at the, you know, hip or the knee. That's all great. But to me, the first thing your eye identifies is the flinch of the heel and we're mm -hmm. gone. Some guys do it better than others if we're stealing. Uh, third base, we're just trying to be aggressive because we're teaching the guys that, hey, each base you go along, there's less and less pickoffs. So be the most aggressive at third. You right. know what I mean? Make them prove that they can do something, especially if you're trying to score on a contact ball mm -hmm. or – you know, anything that comes off in our case, 10 you, you know, obviously be different. The, the velocity coming off of a high school bat, right. but same thing. How many outs, two outs. We're really being aggressive.
making sure we can't get hung up from the catcher. Um, and with, and then at second base, I left that last because that's our most unique of how we do it. We're doing it where we want to take very slow, methodical leads from second because we never want to stop at second base. Right. We want that lead to go all the way through. We want to force the pitcher or the middle infielders to slow us down and stop us. So every pitcher works at a different pace, whether he's righty or lefty. But we try to take very slow walking leads to the point where we never have to stop. And okay. then that, because in our philosophy is third base is a lot easier when you're talking about stealing. Third mm -hmm. base is a lot easier to steal than second if you know what you're doing, even though the catcher has a shorter throw. Right. And it also helps us on base hits and things like that because your body's already in motion, ground ball, base hits. And it really actually helps you on line drives because so many kids, no matter what age they are on the amateur level, high school included, they don't really do what you want them to do and freeze and go back on a line drive. So right. having them already in motion helps them be able to go back actually quicker than if they were at a standstill. So that's really what we do. And I do that with my high school teams too, to a certain extent as well, but really preach it with the youth guys. That's fantastic. That's great stuff, Steve. So dig in's also trying to do a membership drive right now too, trying to get more guys. And as somebody who's been to the facility, who's taken teams to the facility, you know, anybody at home who's listening or watching, I can tell you it, it's a fantastic facility. You've got room to throw bullpens. You got enough work, enough room to get your hitting stuff in. And, you know, there's even a little area up, upstairs where parents can hang out, uh, maybe shoot a little pool, play some video games and uh, and be able to look down at the practices as well. So, Steve, with, with this new um, emphasis on trying to get some more membership, what are some of the things you want to pass along? Yeah, I appreciate that, Patrick. You you have a great pulse on. You're exactly right. I'm actually here right now up in the clubhouse. You can only see, you know, behind. But uh, I will first and foremost say uh, people that live in, let's say, this area, let's just say Montgomery County, they have a lot of options of a lot of quality baseball facilities that they can go to. One of the things that we think ours, makes ours the most unique is we've been around the longest of anybody in the area. We're on our eighth, I think it's almost ninth year of being in this exact location. Right. Uh, we have about 7,500 square foot, so it's not too big, not too small. Uh, you know, being doing it for $75 a month, you get to do anything you want any time of the day. The only time that it would be blocked out is if there's a team, like you were saying, you've done it before with the teams, mm -hmm. team rentals or something like that. We have plenty of space with lessons and everybody come home, come in. Clubhouse is a, a great place for people to hang out, especially non-COVID times. But even with COVID times, you can come up with a mask and you know, not a lot of people are, you know, going to be around with chances are when you come in with different things. Right. And then downstairs, you come in, you come in with your buddy, you, you come along with somebody, we work it out, you come along with your family, your dad, there's a lot of dads and sons that come in here and work together. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you that unlimited access, you come in literally anytime you want, uh, any hour of the day, Monday through Sunday, people build camaraderie, they find guys that they don't play with or on other teams, right. they always come together on Saturday mornings, they get to meet or something like that. So I think our membership for the price and for what you get is the most unique. And it's also the best value by far in the entire area that, that I can say with hundred percent confidence. All right. And if you're interested in getting a membership at dig in, just email dig in baseball at gmail.com, Steve or will right. one of those two guys will get back to you and they'll, they'll get you going on that. I think one of my favorite stories is actually I think Will shot me a text one night back when I was at Avalon I had three guys who basically lived at the facility Cam King, Seth Ingram, Eddie Ponce right. they'd go there after school during the offseason get some work in they'd go upstairs to the clubhouse and do their homework 
Yep. So they go upstairs, do their homework, then they come back down and do a little bit more work before they got picked up. Yeah, right where I'm sitting here to the left is a big area where a lot of people do their homework. They sit down there. Um, you, you could see homework. You could see guys watching the stock market with me. We'll be talking <laughs> questions, giving like business lessons. Um, you know, also playing video games. All that goes over on the left-hand side. So it's yeah. really a kind of a one-stop shop. And there are some people out in the area that really take advantage of it. And they, they get every plus more of their dollar and money's worth of it. And then some people use it sporadically, but it's there for however it is. But it's just a great tool. And we're, we're just blessed to be able to offer it to the people in the area. All right. Well, Steve, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thank you so much. You were the inaugural first you know, special guest for the podcast. And I was so happy to have you on. And and thank you again. And good luck with that, that group of 10 you guys. They, they really are something special. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. And I, I just want to say, you know, I'm so happy for you. And I uh, feel so positive that you're over at Bullis now. And I can't wait to see what you guys do over there. So good luck the rest of the way this season. Great. Appreciate it, Steve. Thanks, Patrick. All right. And we'll end, we'll end the podcast here with a little bit of fun, Coach. You've been coaching for many years. You've had a ton of experience in the high school level, in the travel ball level, in the collegiate league level. So what's just a wacky story, something you remember that you can tell the audience and maybe give them a little bit of fun to end the episode? Gosh, you know, it's it's probably what I think was the most aggressive call I've ever made in a baseball game. Now, it didn't go our way, but had it gone our way, it would have won us a ball game. And, you know, I probably would have talked everybody's ear off about the play, you know, for the rest of my life. But there's a game in, my, in the college league where we're playing the Diamond Pros. It's it's about a mid, you know, middle of the summer. The standings are starting to take shape. You know, we're we're in the mix for a playoff spot and got one of my Avalon guys at the plate who great with the stick, you know, hit, hit well over 500 his senior year for me. He can get a bunt down, he can slash and he can push bunt. And he actually helped us win a championship with a great push bunt that he pushed past the third baseman to get, get a run home just weeks before this. So we've got bases loaded. So I call a triple steal. I call a triple steal wow. and ask Billy to push bunt. <laughs> and they had a wheel play on the first baseman's charging. You know, we're showing early in that situation. Every runner gets a great jump and, and Billy, he pushes it, but it's a line drive. And the first baseman who kind of a lumbering guy makes probably the most athletic play of his life where he stops dead in his tracks and is in, falls at a 90 degree angle and snow cone catches it gets up and a triple play to to get them out of the inning and you know we end up losing that ball game but again you know if you want a wacky story it's hands down the most aggressive play i've ever called and i'll be honest with you jack i'm looking for another situation to be able to call it. i haven't called it since i think this was about 2014 when when we ran that play that summer but I'm looking to be able to do it again, you know, because again, if it, if it works, it's a lot of fun, but on that day, unfortunately it didn't work, but Hey, we still made the playoffs that summer. We had a great team, great group of guys that really gelled. A lot of those guys still keep in touch with me. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what you want. That's what you want with the team. I don't think I've ever heard of a triple steal. That is amazing. <laughs>
Wow. Yeah, you know, the, you know, the way we're also looking at, you know, if, if, if Billy, if Billy bunts through and, you know, he doesn't make contact, you know, maybe we still steal home plate in that situation too. But, but it, I mean, Billy pushed it, you know, it, you know, it would have been better if he had pushed it on the ground, but again, you know, if that ball gets by the first baseman, I honestly think all three of those runs are scoring on that play. Wow. That's, yeah, that's incredible. So that'll do it for episode number one of the bullish baseball podcast. Do you have any parting words before we go coach? Hey, just really proud of the guys today. You know, they've been fighting and battling and they've been doing everything we've been asking to do. You know, we really challenged them on Thursday to start getting out of their comfort zone a little bit. And you saw them do that today. And I think that's a big reason why the bats came around. I think that's why we were able to score a lot more runs today. So just, just really happy for the guys. You know, I hope, I hope they're enjoying it tonight. You know, I, I hope they enjoy the rest of the weekend because of it and ready to come back on Monday, you know, for a strong practice and try to go out and get another dub this week. Absolutely. That was such a momentum builder. And if Bullis can be able to win the next game against St. Stephen, St. Agnes, that could really, really start a run for the Bulldogs. But this was one of, in my opinion, the best day for Bullis baseball since they won the regular season IEC championship in 2016. This right. was really a spectacular day for Bullis baseball. So episode one in the books. We hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you guys next time on the Bullish Baseball Podcast.